most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The second reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. On the last day, the dead in Christ will be raised to life and join those still living in a glorious reunion, and Christ will usher them to everlasting glory. These words will serve also as the basis for this morning's sermon. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with I want you to think of the time in your life that you were the most tired, more tired than you've ever been before. You weren't sure if you'd have the strength to take one more step. You don't know if your eyes would be able to stay open even if you held them open with your fingers. Yet you pressed on. While you're thinking about your story, I'd like to tell you a bit about mine. Believe it or not, the time that I've been the most tired in my life was six kids ago. Trish and I were newly married. We had some friends who were getting married in Green Bay. We lived in Cedarburg at the time. I was honored to be a part of the wedding party, and so we went up the day before, and we're already one hotel night into this adventure, and we thought that maybe we could save a few bucks by driving home after the reception. We had a solid plan B in our back pocket. We could get a hotel room on the way home if we absolutely needed to. That would would be a plan. We felt like we were being pretty wise in the process, but what crashed that whole plan to the ground was the fact that the only hotels to be found were in the first 20 minutes of the trip when we were lively and filled with energy. By the time we started looking for the blue signs on the side of the highway that showed where the hotels were, there were none to be found. And of course we weren't going to do something silly like pay for a hotel room within 20 minutes of our home, and so we pressed on and on and on. We did everything we could to try to stay awake. We had the windows rolled down so that it would, the cold air would beat against our cheeks. We had the radio up as loud as it would go so the pulsing in our eardrums would jostle our brains awake. 
We were never so happy to have pulled off the highway into our hometown. The sign Lennox Place Apartments was never so warm and welcoming as it was early that morning. And without taking a cue from each other, we pulled into the first spot and literally sprinted from the car to the door. Opened the door faster than we ever have before and beelined for bed. No pajamas, no brushing teeth, just bed. In my entire adult life, that's the only night that I've ever slept a full night with my shoes on. (laughs) But it felt wonderful. The pillow, the sweet, sweet sleep that was ours. The Apostle Paul tells us today about sweet soothing, quiet sleep, but he's not talking about the kind you find at the end of a journey, and he's not talking about kicking off your shoes and up your feet at the end of a hard day of work. He's talking about the sweet, soothing, quiet sleep of death. For a lot of people, those would be on opposite sides of the spectrum. The word sweet and soothing and quiet couldn't be further from their perception of what death truly is. But for the Christian, we know that those can be the same. We know what death is, but a portal to everlasting life. And so sweet and soothing and quiet and joyous, the death of the Christian will be. I know of a sleep in Jesus' name. We don't need to be afraid of that sleep. We don't need to be afraid of death for two reasons. Because we will awake and because there will be a joy-filled reunion. Do you know what a euphemism is? That's when you say something that maybe is a little bit harsh or a little bit pointed, but you soften the blow just a bit. You, you use language that makes it sound nicer than it maybe really is. This is why you never shop in the used car section. The car dealer will take you to the pre-owned section of the parking lot. Used and abused, these cars are, are not pre-owned, broken in and ready for you to be their next owner. A person who is short might not like that term that much. They might refer to themselves as height challenged. Some people talk about uh, about uh, torture. Others would say that it's an enhanced interrogation tactic. Some of you might say that refusing to buy a hotel room for your bride and instead putting both of your lives in danger trying to drive home after a wedding is cheap. I would call it economical. <laughs> Paul tells us about the reality of the fact that there is death. He tells us that we will sleep in death. There's no escaping it. There's no getting out of it. And you know what? God doesn't use any euphemisms either. God doesn't sugarcoat it or or try to soften the point. He tells it to us the way that it is. 
Death is the sad but stark reality that we all will face. All people, because none of us can live up to the standards of God's perfection, none of us can live up to what our God has asked us to do and how he's asked us to live our lives, and therefore, the sad but very real truth is this, we will die. Paul says it this way in his letter to the Romans. He says, the wages of sin is death. There's no dancing around the subject. There's no talking about it nicely and thinking that maybe it will go away. The soul that sins is the one that will die. God doesn't offer us a euphemism or sugar coat or, or dance around. He tells it to us straight. But he does something even better than just talking about it nicely or, or, or making it sound more gentle or being kind Our God takes death's power and its terror away. He did that by sending his son to face death, to lay in that tomb in our place. He did that by rising Jesus from the grave to show that death can't hold him and it can't hold us. That's why Paul's words continue. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know of a sleep in Jesus' name. And it's nothing to fear because we will awake. Listen to the way that Paul talks about this reality. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Some might think, that Paul is using a euphemism here. He's calling death asleep to make it softer and more palatable. But that's not what he's doing. No, rather he's teaching us something. He's teaching us a glorious truth about death. The Christian can see death as but a sleep. It's temporary. And when it comes to an end, we will awake. Little Jimmy had terminal cancer. His parents tried as hard as they could to shelter him from that bad news. They would have the meetings with the doctors and the nurses staff out in the hallway. They tried to keep Jimmy from recognizing the reality of his situation, but Jimmy was sharp. He figured out from the nonverbals of the nurses. He picked up on a word here and there, and he knew He had it figured out. And so he asked his mom, what will death be like? And this was the question that she had feared. And so she took a gulp to buy some time. And then she began to explain Jimmy, you know how sometimes you're outside playing all day, riding your bike and running around the neighborhood with your friends, and then you get so tired that you can't even stay awake for family movie night. You fall asleep on the couch and drool runs down your cheek. Yeah, I, I know. He's like, well, let me tell you what happens next. You probably don't even know. 
your father picks you up and carries you upstairs and tucks you into bed. He puts you where you're supposed to be so that when your eyes open, you've gotten restful sleep. You have strength now to face a new day. Jimmy Jesus picks us up and takes us from this place to the place where we are supposed to be so that when our eyes are opened, we have the strength and new life that only heaven could bring. That doesn't sound that bad, Jimmy said. And with pride and sorrow and joy all rolled up into one emotional ball, Jimmy's mom says to him, it's not. It's not. We can have that childlike faith to see death for what it really is, not an end but a beginning, not something to dread but something to embrace. Paul encourages us not to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope If you have ever been to the funeral of an unbeliever, you understand what these words mean. You understand their pointed value. You've seen a lack of hope. The unbeliever's funeral can be nothing but a looking backwards, a looking backwards and celebrating a life well-lived, looking at the good times and forgetting the bad Those gathered at an unbeliever's funeral can do nothing except for grieve. Mourn the fact that there is no more time, that we've reached the end, and now let's pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and try to muster enough strength to press on. But a Christian funeral is far, far different, far, far better. At a Christian funeral, we gather to celebrate not the good things that a person had done in their life, but the fact that Christ Jesus was their perfect substitute who satisfied the demands of God and incurred his wrath on their behalf. We look back, not to talk about the life that had been lived, but to rejoice in the life that is currently being lived with Jesus in glory. Did you know that the word cemetery is a Greek word that means sleeping place? All who are there are sleeping. God tells us that at the end all will be raised. All the dead will come to life. But those who are asleep in Jesus... They will be raised to new and glorious lives. They will receive glorified bodies. They will begin endless days at their Savior's side. We know of a sleep in Jesus' name. A sleep that need not scare us because we will awake. Because we will awake to a joy-filled reunion. I'm sure you've heard it said that a Christian never has to say goodbye that it can always be see you later. And that's true. No matter what 
different directions two Christians might go, no matter what the world and God's plans for their lives have for them. They can always have the joy of a future reunion in heaven. There's a song that we sing from time to time, God be with you till we meet again. And if you're familiar with that hymn, you know the refrain, till we meet at Jesus' feet, God be with you till we meet again. It was about 13 years ago, shortly after I had learned that I was being assigned to serve a congregation in Alaska, I was invited to a party and one of my other friends invited a mutual friend that we shared. And as we saw each other, he said to me, well, we'll see you in heaven. And then he sang, till we meet, till we meet, God be with you till we meet again. And he had a smile on his face because he was half-joking. But he was also telling a full truth. No matter where it was, was that we would go, we would have this joy of a reunion. So far, his words, his joke has come true. I haven't stood in the same room as Carl. I don't know if I will between now and Judgment Day, but I know for sure I will stand before the throne of God with him. And we will celebrate our status at Jesus' feet and the joy that will not end of the glorious reunion that we enjoy. We can have that confidence as Christians as we attend funerals or as we consider the end of of our own lives. We need not be afraid of death because there's a reunion. Listen to the way Paul describes Judgment Day. He says the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That day will be the greatest family reunion that there ever has been. There we will gather with blood relatives, brothers and sisters in Christ, purchased and won by the blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross. On that day we will enjoy a glorious, joy-filled reunion, not limited the way family reunions are here on earth to three or four generations, but this will be a reunion of triumphant saints throughout time. Those that we've enjoyed spending time with and those that we've never met, those that we've shared Christian congregations with and those on the far sides of the globe that we do not know but share a common faith with. What a glorious reunion it will be. Think of what that means, everlasting glory. Everlasting glory would be great news, great enough news if it was just you. But it's not just you. You'll be there with your family. Great-grandpa, who you never met, but about whom you've heard plenty of awesome stories. Grandma, who went to sleep while you were still very young. A spouse that God chose and privileged to call to his side before it was your time. The stillborn child that came to faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be together with this family, enjoying the joy of everlasting life. And your faith family will be bigger than that. Your faith family will be composed of the church throughout the world and throughout the ages. 
Your faith family will be those heroes of faith that you read about from little on, the ones that, whose stories encouraged you and brought you hope and comfort and joy. Noah, David, Daniel, John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, and the list goes on and on. But Paul saves the best for last. He says, and so we will be with the Lord forever. The Lord Jesus, with his perfect life and holy death, has been your sacrifice and savior. The one who gave up so much so that heaven's doors would be open to you, he's there standing in those open doors, waiting for you, waiting for that embrace, waiting to give you that hug, well done, good and faithful servant. And that day, that greatest of days, that unimaginable joy will be your reality forever and ever and ever. We will be with the Lord forever. The stains of our sins will be a thing of the past. The memories of the pains that living in a hurt-filled place like this will be gone. All that will be left is hearts and lives that are filled with absolute and unending joy. And this isn't just a wait and see. It's so easy to make heaven just a wait and see. Wait and be joyful in the future, but we can rejoice today. We can be filled with the comforts that these promises make. Paul says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Let these words be a source of comfort for you and a source of comfort for those around you as you share these words. When your friends are down, pick them up with the reminder that they are precious in the Lord's sight. When a loved one doesn't know where to turn, turn them to Christ and remind them how he loves them and lives for them when the strains and stress of life have become overwhelming. Lift your eyes to Jesus who lives for you and died for you and lives again, who prepares the place where you will spend an eternity and holds you and your life in his hands. When his time is right, he will call you to join him in his glorious mansion of heaven. When souls are weary and burdened from a long journey through life, wherever and whatever those journeys might be, they will find Christ, and in him they will find joy. In him they will find sweet, soothing, and quiet sleep. When a loved one closes their eyes in death through the tears, we rejoice. When God leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, we need not be afraid. We can live. Live with confidence and joy and peace. We can rest securely in the arms of Jesus because he is the one who gives us the faith. The faith to believe and the faith to say, I know of a sleep in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.